Thank you, guys. Well, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, if you came in late and you're wondering where Peter is, he and Susan are up at Lookout Mountain Church this morning. They are doing a kind of commemorative uh, last service there in that building, so that's where they are this morning. So uh, let's open in prayer together. Father, um, we just come to you this morning and are just grateful for uh, your love for us and your love for us and the truth that you bring into our lives. And Lord, we couldn't do without either one. So I pray this morning that you would just be in the midst of the things that we, we talk about here this morning and, and lunch after the service, that um, you would just be right there in the midst of us and your spirit would be the one to be the teacher this morning that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear what you want us to have to say. Not, not just me, but whatever it is that you have stick on our hearts, that um, that would be your spirit speaking to us and we would hear it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kind of cutting out, I think. There we go. <laughs> um, so, do you ever um, wonder why certain memories stick in your head, you know, like from childhood? I have a couple of these that I'm, I'm just like, I don't know why these stick in my head, but Actually, I think I do. Um, one was when I was 15, and I was not quite of the age to play on the co-ed softball team that I wanted to play on with my brothers and sisters who were older. And I was at the softball practice just watching because um, I wasn't old enough. And there was this kid on the team, and he was 16. And um, he, uh, they were just you know, throwing the ball around or whatnot. And he turned to one of my sisters, and he asked this profound question that stuck with me to this day. He said, how are you? So, isn't that profound? <laughs> okay, at 15, here's why it was profound to me. Most adolescents, most, te most teenagers are kind of in their own world. It had never occurred to me at that point in time to actually get outside of my own world and ask somebody how they were doing. At 15, I'm like just a kid and, you know, the, that's the adult's job or something. Um, but that, was, it, that stuck in my head, that memory of, of this, this kid about my age um, turning and asking someone else how they were doing. And um, I thought, well, that's, you know, that, why, why, that, why do I remember that? And then about 21, I was, um, I remember sitting on my parents' living room, and at the time I was dating this guy, and we both played basketball in college, and we were sitting there talking about something, I can't even remember what now, but something kind of important, and he's playing with the basketball, spinning it on his hand and throwing it up in the air. And, and uh, then he passes me the ball and says, what do you think? And I said, I don't know. And honestly, you know, I was kind of in this place where no one had ever really asked me what I thought. And he said, well, well what are you feeling? I don't know. <laughs> I really couldn't tell you what I was feeling. And, you know, it was that point in time, I think, that I realized just how terrible I was at relationships, how terrible I was at communicating, and didn't really know it. You know, you grew up in your family, and you think what you grew up with is normal. So uh, I came to this place where I realized I had a whole lot of catching up to do. Well. God not only has a sense of humor, but um, his bigger plan of kind of redeeming all of us, he often does take something that you're terrible at or you're broken in or that, you know, you've royally screwed up and then turn it into this incredible plan of redemption and turn it into something else. So 
Um, so I go into counseling in my 20s. I ended up I ended up reading every book and going to all kinds of seminars and did, did different discipleship programs and all kinds of things to just kind of immerse myself with, re, with learning how to do relationships. So it ended up being kind of my life calling. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that uh, God's sense of humor to do that? So I know that communication is so important. And you know, think about just how your family grew up with communication, what that was like. Uh, for some of you, you may, you may go, it was really great. You know, we communicated well and we were really close. And others of you might be thinking, you know, we were, we were kind of like you, Francis. It was not that great. And we didn't communicate on a very deep level. Um, but it's so important for us to have connection, have intimacy, and to really have any kind of impact in our world. If we can't do something together, um, we probably won't be able to accomplish a whole lot. I like to think of um, getting to know people like space travel. Uh, and the reason, if you think about space travel, like if Bill loves watching these shows. Whoa, it's space. It's an alien coming down. <laughs> okay, so uh, Bill loves watching all these, uh, these uh, shows on TV with the history channels and all that with the space travel. And so we get into conversations about like, you know, could there be life on other planets and whatnot. So um, I think of, like, if I were imagining all of you like little planets out there, a constellation of stars and planets, and um, every time you get to know someone, it's like traveling to another planet. And there's a whole world inside of there that you can get to know. And first, you may want to find out, well, are they friendly? Are they safe? And, uh, you know, once you got that figured out, then you want to go in and you want to find out, like, gosh, well, how'd you get here? How'd you get to be where you are? And you know, how do you do life? And you know, what do you like? And how do you, you know, how do you think? How do you feel? You know, what's what's your story? You'd want to just like you'd be so enthralled with wanting to get to know them. So that's my hope that we would view each other almost like there's a whole other planet there. It's so easy to think that everybody thinks like you do or has the same experience as you do, but really there's a whole world to explore there. I think one of the greatest compliments you can give somebody is just simply to ask them questions about their life. Um, different uh, psychologists have talked about different levels of communication, and I'm going to share these with you, and there's an important link between what I'm about to share you and lunch, okay? So, <laughs> so I'm asked about my name tag, and it says Francis, and it says Italy on it, okay? That's not my last name, so we're going to, I'm going to tell you what this is about. But on the levels of communication, I'm going to share these different levels, and they're saying these levels are kind of in order of superficial down into deeper levels. Got up there? Okay. So the first one is kind of what you did in the beginning. It's, it's greetings. It's cliches. Hi, my name is Francis. How are you doing? And the second level down that goes a little deeper is sharing facts. Um, you know, fact might be, Francis, have you ever been to Italy? Uh, I'll tell you, no, I've not been to Italy. Um, you might find out, so where are you from? Oh, well, my grandparents were from Germany. Um, oh, well, did your parents come from Germany? No, my parents didn't come from Germany. Um, they're from Nebraska. So um, anyway, but you find out facts about me. You know, what do you, what do, you do in life? Just the facts. Um, opinions. You know, the next layer down is a little bit deeper than facts, but it's sharing your opinions. And opinions kind of put yourself out there a little bit more. And um, you might ask, well, in your opinion, where's the best country to visit? Uh, where's the best place, in your opinion, to go? Or maybe it's opinions about politics or theology or uh, opinions about uh, TV shows or um, someone said last night economics or someone said this morning the human condition. 
uh, would be a topic of interest. Um, so, what, you know, what are your opinions about that? What do you think about uh, the sanctuary? What do you think about our community here? There's all kinds of opinions you could share. The next level down that's a little more, um, little more risky is putting out your feelings. You know, what are your, what are your fears when you travel? What are your fears about growing older? How do you feel about raising children? Um, how do you feel about your marriage right now? What's going on with you at a, just like at a feeling level? It's a little more vulnerable and allows you to connect at a deeper level. And then another layer deeper is wants, needs, and dreams. And the wants, needs, and dreams is going another step further of putting out there, here's what I want from you, or here's what I need, or here's what I dream. And it, when I put it out there, there's the risk of, well, I don't know if you care. I don't know if you want to give me maybe what I'm asking of you. Um, there's the possibility you may not, so it feels a little more vulnerable. And it's often sharing dreams that are deep down in our hearts that we hold close to us. And then the last one is speaking the truth in love. And this is the deepest one that um, I would say often is what's, what we really need when we're in a tough conversation. Um, when we're working through a conflict in a marriage or trying to mend something in a relationship with someone else. Um, Ephesians 4.15 says this, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according, uh, every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects of him. Speaking the truth in love is really what helps us to grow and to be more and more like him. And, you know, as we get to know people and we go through those levels of communication, we go deeper and deeper with people, and, you know, you have opportunities here at the sanctuary to get involved, and you may uh, want to join a Bible study or a small group or just serve together somewhere. And I guarantee you, as you do that, at some point you're probably going to bump up into each other and, um, you know, maybe you get stuck. Maybe the wrong thing is said or things aren't said the right way or feelings get hurt or you give a mixed message. And a mixed message is just simply, you know, my words are saying one thing and my tone of voice and my body language and my actions are saying something different. And so we're sending a mixed message to people. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples of mixed messages and see if you can identify with these. I know at times I've done all four of these, so um, take a look at these. And some of the, what I'm going to show you might be a little bit of an extreme picture of them, but on a smaller level, we probably all do them. But what I'd like you to do is think about which one most represents me, especially under stress, okay? Uh, Virginia Satir is known as kind of the mother of family therapy, and she wrote a whole bunch of books, and she's now deceased, but... Uh, did a lot of work with counseling and with uh, couples and kids and all that. So she came up with these four communication styles where we give mixed messages. The first one is called the blamer. This is what the blamer looks like. Okay, you can see by the body language that uh, this person's pretty intense and uh, the pointing of the finger and the, the fist on the side there. And, um, you know, the blamer, you can tell, is coming at you with some blaming, attacking words, and coming across as very strong and powerful. Um, but I, I came up with some video clips to give you an example of each one of these. So here's, here's a picture of the blamer. I'll be right there, honey! You wanna know why I don't talk to you? You wanna know why? Because you treat me like I'm so 
Okay, so that's a pretty intense picture of a blamer, and it doesn't always have to be that intense. Um, you know, the blamer can be, uh, oh gosh, let's see, who can I pick on? Barry, I could probably pick on you. Let's say, <laughs> let's say it could look like this. Barry, were you late again here at church? I mean, come on, don't you have any respect? Did you not know I was speaking? Are you that irresponsible and your parents didn't teach you anything? You're late again? I mean, come on. Okay, so the, the blamer could just be about kind of day-to-day -day things and, you know, have a little bit calmer voice, but nevertheless, the blaming. Um, you know, the blaming could look something like this. You know, you don't spend any time with me. You don't care about me. You don't call me anymore. Uh, you know, it could be a real kind of quiet kind of blaming, but there's still that you, you, you in there that the blaming's coming through. The blamer can come across strong and powerful on the outside, but on the inside, the blamer is really saying, I'm successful and I'm unimportant. I'm feeling inadequate, and that's why I need to show you this powerful exterior to compensate for what's going on on the inside. I will say there's a place for anger. There's a place for anger, a righteous kind of anger, and um, an example of this might be when uh, you know, like a parent is angry about the child being abused and wants to be protective. Or um, if there's some other kind of violation in a relationship or something, there's anger. There's, there's a very appropriate place for anger. Um, but this is when it's crossing the line and just, you know, kind of ripping someone to shreds. So the second one is the placator. So here's a picture of the placator. And you can see by her body posture that uh, she looks very subservient and submissive, and um, she's basically kind of giving the impression, hey, whatever you want, whatever you think, that's what goes. So let's look at an example of a video, and this is with, um, you all know who Phyllis Smith is? She plays on The Office, but this is a, another clip of her. So pay attention to her in this video clip. Who we should finish up. Wally's got that big orientation in the auditorium. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that. But it's mandatory. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably won't go either. <laughs> I don't know, I might. I'll probably go and just sit in the back. Maybe leave early. Maybe stay at the end. I'll play by ear. Or just stay at the end. Oh, I don't know. Um... Okay, well, this was fun, huh? <laughs> so so here, here's the perfect placator. She's caught between now please, pleasing Cameron Diaz and pleasing the authorities who told her she has to go to this meeting. And you can just see her internal struggle with that. Um, you know, the placator is the people pleaser. The one that will agree with everything and is too nice and um, kind of go with whatever you think. But on the inside, they're feeling like they're a nobody. and They're worthless. So the placator, you know, might say this to Barry, who's late. Barry, I'm so sorry. Uh, we had already started the service, and I didn't realize that you weren't here yet. So would you like us to do those two songs over? Because, you know, you were late, and I don't want you to miss it. I'm so sorry. I should have called you in advance to see if you were going to be on time. It's totally my fault. Okay? So the placator, that's how the placator might look. So the third one is the computer. The computer is this guy. And as you can tell, he looks very stiff. The computer is very unemotional, detached, cool, and uh, may come across sounding ultra-reasonable and very intelligent. And he really kind of has no emotions. He doesn't show tears. He doesn't show anger. He's just kind of level all the time. Um, 
so let's take a look at what this might look like. And uh, if you know who Lilith, Lilith is from both Cheers and Frasier, so we're going to take a look at Lilith here. Well, I guess I'll say my goodbyes as well. <clears throat> Good night, Frasier. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. Lilith, listen, uh, Niles is upset because you, you snickered at Maris' wedding vows. I simply responded with the genuine, spontaneous emotion I was feeling at the moment. But if Niles is not mature enough to accept that, if he is so pitifully insecure, if he is in such need of validation, then I guess for some sense of familial harmony, I do apologize. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> the computer, isn't she a great computer? <laughs> that is the computer. So, um, okay, so the computer um, on the outside is appearing to be intelligent and smart and have it all together. But in the inside, the computer is really feeling inferior and insecure and has the need to compensate that. I love this verse in Matthew where um, Jesus prayed this prayer to the Father and he said, uh, Father, I thank you that you have hidden things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed it to babes. You know, there's a certain um, spiritual wisdom and knowledge that goes so far beyond our intellect that we may have our pride in. And I just, I've always loved that verse. Um, okay, so uh, let's see here. Their computer, back to Barry. <laughs> um, Barry, you know, I might w want to increase your self-awareness factor here. Um, I noticed that you arrived at exactly uh, 10.07 a.m. and 36 seconds. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we start at 10 a.m. And I'm wondering, you know, you may have some issues that go back to childhood with anger at your mother. And if you probably knew I was speaking as a woman, your anger, you know, would probably come out and you would be passive aggressive. So that's, <laughs> a computer might overanalyze and um, be very exact and specific, and uh, that's how the computer might come across. Okay, so the distractor, uh, this is the distractor. Keith, what are you, <laughs> you are such a distractor. You're distracting me from this topic of distracting. <laughs> so, actually, we were on the phone yesterday. I'm telling him what I'm talking about. So he, he knew. Okay, so uh, the distractor. The distractor is one who's saying comments off the topic. They make no sense whatsoever. Uh, they're the ones when you're in a meeting, they're tapping their pencil on the table and drawing little pictures and swinging their foot and looking out the window and, you know, what time is lunch and when's a break. And, and uh, they're the ones who are always distracting from uh, what's at hand. Have a hard time uh, making eye contact. So um, here's a picture of someone that you're well, if you're over 40, you're familiar with. If you're younger, you, hopefully you've seen reruns, okay? You've got to be brave, face the facts. I want you to open my sea chest. Some of my most valuable possessions are in there. Boy, look at all that junk. <laughs> junk? My life is in that chest. That stuff is priceless. A bottle cap? Singapore, 1947. From the first bottle of beer I ever opened with my teeth. What did you want to do that for? Well, I didn't want to, but some guy hit me in the mouth with a bottle. You can have that, too. You want me to have it? Hey, I bet this got a lot of memories, huh? <laughs> Sorry, Skipper, I forgot your head. Oh, what difference does it make? Take it anyway. Skipper? 
What does this remind you of? Nothing. It must have just crawled in there. <laughs> okay, so here, here's the skipper. He thinks he's on his deathbed, and that was his uh, box that he was going to will away, and here's Gilligan making fun and making light of everything. Um, so the distractor can be you know, funny on the outside and maybe kind of entertaining, but after a while maybe it gets annoying and uh, difficult to kind of engage in a conversation with. And on the inside, the distractor is really saying, you know, I don't matter, I'm unimportant, and maybe feels anxious and, and fearful. So the distractor, going back to Barry, well, probably wouldn't even notice he was late, so don't have really anything to say this time. <laughs> so, um, so did you find one that you kind of identify with? Maybe one or two, you know? I would say for me, my default is placator. Uh, the people pleaser, but if you put me up next to a blamer, mm, you better look out because I'll come right back at you. <laughs> so think of, think of one that you think of the most, the one I identify the most, and we're going to take a little poll here. I'm going to see how many show up in each one of these. You've got them, there's the, there's the blamer, there's the, the placator, there's the computer, and there's the distractor, okay? So if you tend to be, especially under stress, a blamer, raise your hand. Okay, look around, Jesus loves you, okay? <laughs> okay, if you tend to be a placator, raise your hand. Ah, a lot of them, a lot of those. Why does that not surprise me in the Christian community? We're big on this. Um, Jesus loves you too, okay? so. Computers, raise your hand, computers. All right, computers, Jesus loves you as well. And distractors, you probably didn't pay attention to the question, but go ahead. <laughs> distractors, I see you. Jesus loves you too. Okay, so Virginia Satir will say that in any group, 50% of the people will be placators, and 30% will be blamers, 14% will be computers, and 2% will be distractors. I think we were pretty close. <laughs> what? Yeah, you are the two percent. <laughs> okay, so that's the unhealthy styles. But what do, what does healthy look like? You know, what does speaking the truth, truth and love, really look like? Um, Virginia Satir calls this leveling, but the Bible calls it speaking the truth in love. And what does what does a leveler look like? Well, let me give you a little bit of a description. This is a person who their insides match their outsides. And it's not saying they're perfect. But if I'm feeling insecure and I tell you I'm feeling insecure, then that's the insides matching the outsides, right? So it's just being honest with that. And congruent messages, um, oh, the, love, the, the person speaking the truth in love has congruent messages with their tone of voice and their body language and their words and their actions. They all kind of line up rather than giving mixed messages. They're real, they're authentic, they're genuine. They know what their thoughts and their feelings are. They know what they want. They know who they are. They're in touch with emotions, all of them. Anger, fear, tears, joy. They can take responsibility for their mistakes. The, the person who is grounded can, can own what's theirs and go, yeah, that, that, I blew it. That was my fault. When you're talking to someone who is grounded in this, that, that you feel connected to them. You feel like you can really uh, track with them and you feel like you're getting to know them. And on their insides, they know they are deeply loved. They know that they are accepted the way they are without having to prove anything else. They also have the capacity to be other-centered, to be concerned about caring for other people and not just uh, looking to get their own needs met. 
and of course they're able to speak the truth in love. Um, if you know Duncan Sprague, he uh, used to be on our board here, he's now a pastor at another church. He, he actually shared this diagram with me and I asked if I could steal it and he said yes and so um, he said as long as I can steal stuff from you. <laughs> and I, I've always liked this, but he's got uh, these two, this little chart here and the, the line going vertically goes zero to 10 on the true scale the line going horizontally, zero to 10 on the, the love scale, and it's the combination of these two. And you know, think about your own families. Think about how you deal with conflict. Um, if you're like zero on both of those, you probably avoid conflict. You don't wanna deal with truth, you don't wanna deal with relationships, you just wanna avoid it all together, you're like a zero. If you uh, go all the way up to a 10 there, and you're all about truth, you're about, to, you're about winning the argument, you're all about truth, but you're way overlooking the relationship, then you likely deal with conflict of competing to win. You wanna get that last word in, you wanna be right, you wanna have the last say, and uh, you'll argue it and you'll go research it and point them out later and find out how the other person was wrong and, and prove them. And then if you go over here to the way right, the, um, if you're all about relationships, but the truth is hard to look at, truth about yourself, truth about the other person, that's, that's that placator, okay? Um, that's the one who is the people pleaser and they're all about the relationships, but they're not really being very honest with themselves or with you. And then in the middle there, the premature compromise, that's the one where uh, you maybe go halfway up on both scale, but you don't quite peel back all the layers you could with another person to really get to know them and their heart and what's going on in a situation. And then the, the top right corner there where it says Jesus speaking the truth in love, that's like a perfect 10 on both, both sides. Jesus was perfect truth and perfect love and able to communicate both at the same time. Um, so the, the one at the top there where it says truth, that's, that's like your blamer. The one over here on the far corner in the lower right is your, is your placator. We both need truth, and we, both, we, all, we all need truth, and we all need love. You know, the truth tends to um, cut away at our false self, cut away at our, our junk, just cut away at the pretense, the facades that we maybe put up. Uh, truth comes in and, and makes us kind of die to ourself. That is the false self. And we also all need love. We need that love in that deep place of who we are to just go, you're love right now. There's nothing you can do to get more accepted than you are right now. And there's nothing you can do to mess that up either. You're completely loved right where you are. And the combination of these two is the core of the gospel. You know, if I was not a Christian and I just simply looked at who Jesus was and I started reading stories about him in the Bible, I would just like this guy. I mean, he's just amazing in the way he relates to people. And I've always just been fascinated by the way that Jesus can come in and, you know, in one situation he can speak truth, in the next situation he can just be quiet, even when you might want him to kind of like, Jesus, say something, you know, say something, <laughs> you know, and he can just be quiet and let people sit with it. He could ask a question and just walk away and not have to explain himself. He could uh, weep in compassion for someone, and I'm like, I wanna be like that, you know? He was so like flexible in his character and his personhood and, and um, his ability to speak truth and show love and for every situation, like is just, he's able, able to be led by the spirit. Like this person needs this word in this moment, in this time and place. 
and it was exactly what they need, and it was always other-centered. It was always for their benefit. Um, you know, Scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself, but what if you don't like yourself? What if you really struggle with that? What if those insecurities and inadequacies feels like, well, that's what defines me. That's deep. That, that's like the core of who I am. It's not the core of who you are, but it is so important to, to have a, um, that self, the, the love that Jesus has for you put deep down in your heart. Uh, if you don't have that, you're probably living out of that false self. The clearer picture that I get of God, the clearer picture I get of myself. And the clearer I get a picture of myself, the clearer I can have of you. If I don't like God, then I probably don't like me. And if I don't like me, then I don't like you. <laughs> but if I do like God, and then I do like me, it frees me up to then like you, truly and genuinely. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19 says this, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Rooted and grounded in love. That to me is like an ongoing lifelong journey. Um, to have that kind of continually be planted in our hearts. Um, on the back of your S News, if you caught that when you came in, there was this little diagram that looked like this. So this is your homework, okay, when you go home. <laughs> We're not going to read it in detail, but it has this little pendulum. And it's kind of that pendulum swinging from kind of blamer to placator, or, you know, computer and blamer could probably be on the same side, and the distractor and the placator could be on the other side. But you can see how that self-protection, and we can kind of go back and forth between that. And on the, on the left side, you know, you can see the thoughts that would maybe go through your head if you're on that left side in the blamer category. Yeah, it's not my fault. I'm not the problem. And then look down below where it says we protect through all kinds of things. There's a whole list there. So do you see yourself anywhere in that? And then you can swing all the way to the right, and that's the other side where the placator and the distractor might fall. But, you know, I'm no good. I'm just a nobody. I'm, I don't really matter. And then we check out through all those things on the right. And that's not an exhaustive list. There's a whole bunch of others. So, and then what does it look like to be grounded? What might you be thinking if you're grounded in Christ? Well, that's that middle. So, uh, so your homework is go home and look at that. And, <laughs> and just, you know, ask God to show you, you know, where, where do you see me? And, you know, it's being, there's two things here. There's the honesty about your experience. That's one part of truth. And then there's the truth of what God says about you and the deep love that he has for you and the acceptance that he has and that, uh, that there is nothing you can do to mess that up. So that's pretty cool. If, but if you are, um, if that's something you really struggle with, like that being grounded in his love and you want to keep pursuing that growth, um, there's some great ways you can do that. And here's a couple I'd recommend. We have a ministry partner called Men and Women at the Cross. And uh, some of you been through that? Yes? Yeah? Cool? Yeah? And uh, a great ministry. I'm telling you, if you struggle even with, okay, I know that up here, but I have a hard time getting it down here. This is a great weekend to go through. There are others like that. Uh, there's a journey group I know Ruth is a part of. There's one called Marked Men. Maybe some of you have been in Marked Men or Women's Walk with Christ. But 
Um, I had a counselor, a friend of mine, go through it. I've been through it myself. Peter's been through some of these. Um, I had a counselor friend go through it and say, uh, I think I had more growth in one weekend than the prior six months worth of counseling that I had done. And, um, you know, it's really a cool ministry. So, it's, but that's not for everybody. There are other avenues that you can do to grow. Maybe you do a Bible study on identity in Christ or get in a small group or um, a community group where you're just at least jumping into relationships, relationships that will be encouraging, speaking the truth in love with each other. I encourage you to do that. Um, but it may start with just you being honest, being honest with yourself of going, you know, here's, here's what's going on with me. I've found that that often is some of the hardest steps, is just simply getting honest with yourself. Um, if, if you're getting honest to the point where you can say, you know, I'm feeling insecure, it actually takes a pretty secure person to say, I feel insecure. Have you ever thought about that? The ones who can't say that are probably, probably more insecure than the ones who can say it. Um, because they know who they are deep down, and then those inadequacies or insecurities are just feelings. It's not the core of who you are, it's just a feeling at that point. Okay, so um, I do want to give you something practical, but the reason I bring up that whole pendulum is going, it goes deep in your own grounding first before you ever get to the practical stuff. If we're not dealing with the deep stuff in our own hearts and just skipping over to the practical things, then you can be like a, a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong, and you'll be giving off those mixed messages. So this last slide, um, this last uh, list here, is speaking the truth in love. And this is, um, what it, this is just one, one template. You know, Gary Smalley, someone in the marriage class here, he talks about giving uh, emotional word pictures, which is another great way to communicate. This is just one little template, and some of these ministries I mentioned uh, give you chances to practice stuff like this a lot, um, especially when you have a tough conversation that you need to have with somebody. This is a great little, little template. When you go down to lunch, some of this stuff is on, the, on a card on the table, so don't worry about like, writing it down or something. You can grab one of those on your way out. Um, but here's what it might look like. In a situation where you need to talk through something with someone, stating the facts. And when I say state the facts, I mean, what can you see and what can you hear? Stating the facts is not um, your assessment necessarily. Sometimes people will get tri tripped up and say, well, uh, you know, Barry, when you're irrespons irresponsible coming in here to church, can you see irresponsible? Can you see it? I can't see irresponsible. But I can see that he walked in at 10.07. I don't know what time you got here, Barry. But <laughs> he was here early. He was here early. I you were late. Oh. <laughs> okay, you're off the hook. <laughs> so anyway, this is, you're just my example. Um, so, in other words, you can't see lazy, you can't see micromanager, you can't see jerk, you can't see um, any, any of those things, but you can, you can see left your socks on the floor, you can see you were late, you can see um, uh, that they didn't send you an email, you can see all kinds of stuff. You can hear things, you can hear what was said, and at your best, best guess, quote it back, you know, your best uh, recall on that. So uh, it's stating the facts. When we get into labels, we immediately just kind of shut the other person off because all they're thinking about whether that label is true or not. I'm not irresponsible. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. You know, you can argue all day. But if it's just simply, I saw you walk in at 7 after 10, you know. So it's staying to the facts. 
Next is share your thoughts. And this is your guess about maybe why. And it's not, um, it's not the blamer kind of thoughts. It's just simply, um, you know, Barry, you know, you could be late because you got caught in traffic or, you know, maybe something happened or, you know, honestly, if you're like me, you know, sometimes I used to come late just because I figured, well, I know they're singing in the first couple of minutes, so I won't really miss that much. <laughs> I'll be okay. So, you know, so, you know, you can just put your thoughts out there, but you're owning them as yours. You're not saying that's what they're doing. And you always should, like, should put a, like a little uh, caveat on it of going, you know, I could be wrong. It's a guess. This is my guess about what's going on, but I could be wrong. So it gives you the chance to go, you know, that's not what was going on at all. And then sharing your feelings. And with sharing feelings, uh, it's the emotions. It's fearful, angry, sad, frustrated, disappointed, you know, whatever it might be. But it's a, an actual feeling word, not I feel like you're a jerk, or I feel like you're being selfish. Or I, those are not feeling words. You just turned the, the I statement, covered the I statement, and put in a little blaming word, blaming thing in there. So uh, it's you saying, this is what I'm feeling and owning that. The next one is the impact it has on your relationship. The impact is just kind of going, it's helping to increase their awareness. So, hey, here's how it affects me. Um, you know, Barry, when you're late, you know, it kinda, it's kind of discouraging because I thought you were a really good friend of mine and makes me feel kind of distant. Oh, not really. You know, <laughs> I know Barry really well, so I can pick on him, okay? So, um, but you might say, this makes me feel distant towards you. Or uh, these can be used for positive things, too, th this whole scenario. Share your responsibility in it. Your responsibility, it might be, truly, what is your part in it, if there is some? There may not be in a scenario, but there might be. Um, it's just maybe going in a conflict. Look, likely, you have some responsibility in it. Or it might just simply be saying, hey, I know there's times I'm late for stuff too. And immediately the other person can kind of like put down their guard and they know you're not trying to judge them. And I've found that this is a really important thing to share. Your responsibility, either your part in the conflict or at least a time when you've done the same thing or something similar to that. And it makes the other person kind of go, well, they're not judging me. And then finally, share what you want. And I've found sometimes this can be a hard thing to figure out. Sometimes I gotta sit there and think, what? yes, I'm frustrated in this situation, what do I really want from this person? What am I wanting? And, and can I kind of put that into, again, real specific things? Um, not like, well, I want you to be responsible, or I want you to be less selfish, or I want you to, you know, those are still, again, those really vague words. What is it that you want? What you can see and what you can hear? What, what would you like from that person? So, um, I gave you some examples of that, and this is just a, temp a template. You know, you make it your own. You put your own personality into it, and you might put in some things and not other things. It's not like a formula. You know, it's just, it's just a practical tool to use. Um, like I said, you know, this could be done for positive things as well. This could also be used for asking for forgiveness on your own that you need to initiate. It could be used in a lot of different ways. You know, um, you know, the posit some of the positives could be things like um, Stephen in here. I know Stephen and like Corrine. Corrine, I know you're in here somewhere. Corrine, <laughs> I'm picking on you. And Barry. Okay, I'm picking on you guys in a good way now, all right? So Corrine and Barry and Stephen, I know there's others. Sometimes we'll just show up here at the church. And like I've noticed Stephen, long after you guys are all gone from church, he'll be out here watering flowers. And... Um, taking care of the gardening and pulling weeds 
and during the middle of the week, Barry or Corrine will show up in the building and they're either like cleaning the woodwork or the, these stained glass windows. And, and um, I've just, I, you know, I noticed this and honestly, I just, I feel inspired. I feel proud of them. I'm, I'm proud to have them in our body and all the more that they don't, they don't wave any flags about it. Nobody hardly knows about it until now. Um, that um, They don't really make an issue. They just, are, they just are there to serve and it's just cool to see that. And um, so the, the impact it has on me is it makes me want to do that for other people, other organizations, other places. I get inspired and it really makes me feel close to them. So that can be used for positives. And we need to do more of that, don't we? We need to do a lot more positives. The more positives you put in, then later on when you hit those snags, those snags aren't that difficult to get through. Um, I love this last little picture. Uh, this was a picture of a, a street sign that Barb found for me on the internet. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a real sign or not, but I thought, that, that's perfect, so I'm gonna use that. But what, what I love about this sign is it looks like a cross. It looks like a cross. And you know, it, it is a cross where truth and love come together. It's the cross where Jesus Christ gave his life for us and died for us and shed his blood for us that we might be forgiven and know we're loved. He says, um, there is no greater love than this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what he did. He laid down his life. So the truth part of it cuts away at our sin, our facades, cuts right through our false self. And the love part of us covers us. And the part where those two come together, where the love and the truth come together, is called grace. And this is grace. Grace means you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you never will, but you're given it completely freely, and his love and, and forgiveness and grace is given to you. And on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it, saying, take heat, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup, he poured it, saying, drink of it, this is my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So when you come to the table this morning, um, you can take a piece of the bread and tear it off and dip it in the cup and um, bring your facades, bring your blamer, your placator, your computer, your distractor, um, just bring it, just be honest and say, Jesus, fill me up with your love and your truth. So hey, it's a Community Life Weekend, so we are having lunch right after this, and uh, we have soup and wonderful people that brought soup. And so here's what we're going to do. You know those little levels of communication we had up there? On a card down on the table, they're, they're listed in case you like forget. Um, but if you think, man, if I sit next to someone, I want to just get to know who, a little bit who they are. So what I'd like you to do if you're staying for lunch is grab a name tag, either at one of the doorways or in front of the soup line. And not only put your name, but put a topic of interest underneath it that you don't mind being asked questions about. And um, it's just simply as a starting place for people to get to know each other and to um, just uh, make some new friends or continue to get to know the ones that you already have here. And, uh, you know, each person here has a story, has a story to tell that somehow mirrors the gospel. And when you really, like, get involved with people in their lives, you get a chance to get a taste of what God looks like through this person's life and through their story. And so it might start with, you know, lunch and soup, 
that that could lead to, you know, going out to a movie later, and then that could lead to, hey, let's form a small group, and then that could lead to, hey, let's really, really share our stories um, and re really walk alongside of each other in life and speak the truth in love. So uh, join us today if you'd like. If you'd like prayer, uh, Julie and Nick are over here, and they'd be happy to pray with you about anything on your heart. So if you'd like to join with them, you can do that as well. Um, how about if I close this in prayer and then I'll pray over our meal for those who are staying, you can go. Lord Jesus, um, thank you that you are pure love and pure truth. And um, we so much need a clear picture of you in order to see ourselves clearly and to see each other clearly and to understand what you're up to in our lives. So um, thank you for each person here, each, each heart, each life, each story is just a, an amazing picture of what you're doing in the big grand scheme of things. And, and that picture may be one of somewhere um, innocence and innocence lost and brokenness. And then, Lord, the redemption and the healing that you're bringing about as only you can do. So um, we give our journey to you and ask you to walk closely alongside of us. And we pray for this meal that we're about to eat and just thank you for those who uh, prepared soup for us and uh, pray that you, you would just enjoy our time downstairs getting to know one another and having fun together and uh, bless the meal that we're about to eat. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.